how we began in this. I was pastoring the First Real Baptist Church of Decatur, Illinois. Uh, we were there from 01 to 11. And I, you know, when I was in Bible college, I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing today. I just always assumed I'd be kind of pastoring in a traditional role from here on out. And we had a missionary at our church somewhere in 08, 09. Her name is Sarah Malone. Uh, Sarah is my oldest cousin. So if you see her and be like, oh, I saw your cousin, and you can go ahead and tell her that I really emphasized oldest cousin with Sarah. <laughs> She'll be glad to hear that. And so if you know anything about Sarah, she's been with ELIC, English Language Institute in China. She was there early 90s on, so she's been there a long time, sharing about her ministry of how you know, she went to China to teach English on their Chinese campuses in order to share the gospel, exchange the knowledge of Jesus with those students on those campuses. And when she was at our church that evening, she was at mom and dad's house and we were just having a conversation. And in that conversation, she just simply said, Tyler, I, I believe the American church is missing the opportunity with these international students. We have sent missionaries to them, but these countries are sending their students here. And we have the opportunity to minister to them here. And that statement just never left. I mean, that was just there. And so that's really what began our movement into this international student ministry. And we have come to, like, these are our people. Like, we just absolutely love them. And international students are some of the brightest of the bright. We definitely have, you know, friends working on whether it's, you know, topological insulators with the flow of electrons for quantum technology, whether it's building materials for building houses on the moon, whether it's biotech to then be able to read your phone, all your glucose levels and all that. It's really interesting what they're in some high fields of knowledge. But when it comes to the knowledge of Jesus, they are some of the lowest at that knowledge. And um, so that's a big part about this whole ministry and, and what we're trying to do. Uh, I don't know if you heard Farron last night. He was the preacher in the adult service, and he spoke on this, the Philip story. And this really does fit the philosophy of international student ministry so well. And if you know the Philip story, he was up in Samaria. God calls him to take a visit to one individual down the desert in Gaza. So he goes, there's a chariot, and he runs up to the chariot. This is what is recorded in the Acts. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? This is the statement of my students. How can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? This is what I did not know when I began this ministry was just how legit of a statement that is that so many of our students just do not have any of just the basic knowledge of the Christian faith. I mean, no Moses in the Red Sea, no David Goliath, no concept of even like grace. I've asked that question so many times. Do you know what grace is? And it's just, it's just not there. So how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And this is what is so needed with international students in our country is we need a whole bunch of someones. Um, just at my university, at the University of Illinois, we have 15,000 international students there alone. Like our family, we connect in 
you know, 200 will connect with in a, in a semester. And then, but it's just a dozen or so that really we get to pour into. Um, I mean, we could have dozens of us at just that one university and not be really scratching the need there. There's over a million of them studying in our universities all across the board. And so I'm glad you're here today because you, know, you probably have some thought process in this. That's why you're here. Like, hey, I'd like to know how to start this kind of ministry. I'm curious about this. And I just want to, you know, we need a whole bunch of someones. And so if you can do anything you can, it's great. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. And that is what we do. I mean, that is the philosophy of international student ministry. You just come alongside, you begin with wherever they're at, and you take them to the good news of Jesus. And that's what this kind of process that you're going to see with us today is how that works on how to start you know, an international student ministry. Kelly and I were at the National Convention in Oklahoma City in 2010. Is anybody else there? Wow, nobody else was in. Right, Reed, you're there. And uh, Stan Bunch preached the Wednesday night message, the Isaiah passage, you know, who will go that send me and when we left and started that trip from Oklahoma City back to Decatur, Illinois, by the time we got home, we knew we were going to be in some different ministry than pastoring at Decatur, and we knew that ministry was going to involve international students. And so this was legit. This was the question. All right, we know what we want to do. We know where God has placed on our heart, but how in the world do you start an international student ministry? And so I'm thinking, do we have to go to California? Do you have to go to New York? And so where everything began with us was research. You know, research, like how do you ever connect with international students? Where are they? How do we, we get to know them? And that's all this connection stuff. And so that's really the first layer of our process. So read you're looking for the 10 steps. Step one for us was connect. Like how do I connect with these people? And it was research. And so just to give you a hint of how this is, and hopefully this isn't too confusing because we have some statistics about the University of North Carolina with the alma mater statue at the University of Illinois. <laughs> so it's like, how can that be? So let me tell you about this is where we began the process researching. Once we started researching, where are you know, international students in the U.S.? And when we did the research, we couldn't believe that the number one public university for international students was the University of Illinois, like just an hour from where I grew up. And at that time, there was like 7,000. It was top three of all the universities. So basically, there were more international students on the campus just an hour away from me than any other campus in the U.S. And we're talking in the middle of cornfields. That's where we are at, and the nations were there. And God had kind of already moved our story, our heart for that area through our children. And we just felt like this was the natural movement where God wanted us to, to be placed, uh, to begin to, to love on them. Well, let's go to the University of North Carolina. It's like, how does it begin? And so it's just a simple little research. So if you're not looking to move to where they are, maybe you're planted where you're at. You're like, we have some colleges around us. Um, it's just simple. This is just Google research. There are 2,500 or so international students at the University of North Carolina. Those are some of the, the main you know, countries that you'll find on most campuses. A lot of Chinese, a lot of Indians, 
um, other, you know, all your kind of computer science, those engineering campuses, but each campus has its own kind of niche. And so here's the process that we're, I want to, to kind of guide you in on this connecting in with the campus. For us, there's two main lanes that make it simple. You might have 10 lanes open, you might have a creative way, but today I'm just gonna give you two lanes of where you can jump right in. And it all has to do with through the school or through a student organization at the school. Almost every university has what's called a, a student services. Most big time universities have an international student scholar services. We also have IS, University of North Carolina, they have IS. And so that's an avenue. And then what I want to talk to you, we'll come back to that. International Friendship is just an international student organization there at the University of North Carolina through InterVarsity. And so these two ways, connecting in through a student organization or going to the student services offices, that's a good connection point on how to begin to meet international students. And so I don't know about, I don't know your personality at all. Well, I know this one's personality and she is not like me. Um, I'm a natural introvert. My running joke is, is I was homesick at camp and my mom was there. That it really does, you know, if you think of the natural, like when we'd go on vacations to churches and it's time for Sunday school, my two older brothers would go to their Sunday school class. Can anybody tell me for 1,000 hand claps, what Sunday school class did I attend while we were on vacation at other churches? And why in the world would I be in the adult when I was like seven years old? Because that's where mom was. Exactly, that was me. I am that kid that would not leave. And now I understand better why my brothers were calling me a baby all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I really was that kid. And that still, that kid is still in here. And so it's, you know, how does this begin? How do you connect with students on campus? And for us, it was through a student organization. Um, this began the process. So what I did was research what kind of international student organizations are offered at this campus. And I looked at the faith-based ones. And there was about five or six kind of main ones. And I then began to contact those contact points, those leaders, and just say, could I have coffee with you? Could I meet with you? We're just looking to come to be hands and feet. We're, and so this is you know, what I would suggest instead of like how to start an international student ministry, this whole process you're getting today is not like a whole ministry of your own. This is just for you to get flowing into international students' lives right now that you can connect to them and begin to, to have conversations of faith with them. And then you can begin to build out your own thought process on how this could work maybe in your own complete ministry on campus. And so for us, it was through a group called English Corner. English Corner was definitely our connection point. This was the international student organization. What happened with us, we were having Bible studies. A Chinese lady came to the Bible study one time. A month later, she emailed me, said, Tyler, there's a group on campus called English Corner who has contacted me about being a part of their international student group. I heard your heart for international students in the Bible study. I asked them if you could come too. They said, yes, would you like to come? 
So I went with them, met at Panera Bread, met with their leadership. They said, we have a bunch of international students coming. I said, I'd like to meet some international students to exchange faith with them. They said, that's what we're looking for. Whammo. Very technical seminar term. Whammo. She was with them three weeks, then moved. I've been with them now 10 years as staff with English Corner. And so, yes, it was just a God designed, you know, that we felt very much so. But I met with like five different leaders. And so just go through, if you're looking, you know, where's the college? What are the organizations? And just, can I contact, can I meet with you? I'm just looking to be hands and feet and serving. And we just came alongside, started coming to their meetings, English Corner, became a conversation group leader, then became much more involved in staff and so forth and, and so on. So we meet people by meeting their needs. It's the best way for introverts. They're already looking for, I'm coming here to get a need met. I'm here to meet your need. It's a structure that works, at least it works for me. And so some people have a very supernatural gift where they can just walk up to a complete stranger, in this case a forwarder, be on campus and build a relationship and all of a sudden, you know, they're at your house and they're hanging out. It's like, how did you do that? Like, that is not me. Like, that is not how this ministry works for us. There is a structure in place in which, you know, they are coming, they're looking for English. So they sign up for English Corner. We're in that program and that's our connection point. That's where we begin to meet these international students. So from there, we connect to invite. So how do you start an international student ministry? Well, you, you research what university around me has them, what are the connection points. And so you have these international student organizations. Or you, and I'll go back to the IS. Oh, if I can get back there. My brother, he was in the St. Louis area on the Illinois side. He just went to Illinois, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville went to their IS, their, their student services, and what they have is they had a host family. We we're looking for community people to host international students to make them feel welcome here. Almost every university has this. Anybody who has any international students at all, most likely their student services are looking for community people to be able to help them have an American you know, experience. And that's what they did, they just went there they got matched with a few students. Just email out, hey, we're your host family match. We'd love to have you over for dinner. Does this time work? They met up, got them from campus, picked them up, took them home, started having meals, started taking them to the kids' volleyball games, started bringing them to church. That was their process. That's a very simple way to begin an international student ministry, to begin this process of getting to know some international students. It's all connection point. How can I connect? And so you can go to the, the student services and say, hey, I'm just looking to, to be a friend of some international students here and go through that process. Or you can go to the normally this like international friendship agency is a private student organization. It's not funded by the university. It's just allowed to be on campus by the university. And so the, you have many faith based ones that are just looking for volunteers. Hey, we have a hundred international students looking for conversation partners and we have seven conversation partners. You know, we need as many who be willing to come, have a group of four, just meet at the, the union 
and begin to have conversation with them to meet that need, and boom, like right there, you have a connection point. I can start meeting students on a regular basis, and then what we do is we invite. And so we invite into our family. And what this looks like for us is group invitations, personal invitations, you have church invitations. For us, the group invitation is usually the first invitation because we're connected into a student organization. So we just ask that organization, hey, can we have students over to our house? And that's what happens. You know, we'd like to have a cookout. And that's what you saw there. So this will take place first Friday night, second Friday night at September. We'll have about 50 international students at our home. Just a group invitation. Invitation is such a relational ministry. This is what you're trying to get impact in. You're wanting to have a relationship to be able to then get to these conversations of faith. This, for us at least, international student ministry is a relational ministry. It's all about relationships. Um, it's not really an exchange of Jesus through, you know, through distance. It's all through personal relationship. This event is not really a good relational ministry event for us. Guess what we're doing at this event? Yes, we are doing all the logistics of having 50 international students at your house, trying to use pokers for the first time, making s'mores, making Chicago-style hot dogs, make sure they have drinks, make sure all the game area is set up, making sure you're shooting the bow and arrows over here for the first time, not shooting them into the crowd. You know, we're doing all the logistics. But this is a great you know, event for us because it, it gets them to our house. And that's a big deal for international students. Like the statistic is real. 80 to 85% of international students will never step foot in the side of an American's home. And that's just, and we're going to get to this at the end because of comfort. They're more comfortable in their groups. And I can tell you, if I went to a different country, I would want to experience that country. But if there was 20 Americans there and there was Pizza Hut and great burgers and English, guess where I would be with? But I would want to be with that country and be like, how can I get in there? But I'm not going to ask anybody from that country, hey, can I go to your house? Like, I can guarantee you that isn't coming from this guy. And that doesn't come from our students either. And so they're not going to invite, hey, can I, you know, it's not like they're walking up to Americans being like, I want to go to your house. Like, that's not happening. And, but what also isn't happening is Americans coming to them being like, hey, would you like to, because it's like, how does that work? What's the structure in that work? That would come off really weird. And it would, unless you're in some kind of organization setting where this is all set up. And that's what the campus really does. And so, we invite, invite, invite. So we have all these group settings because what happens is, is now they begin to see Tyler and his family a little different than just the conversation group guy at the, the campus. Um, now it becomes a little bit more personal. Um, and this is just a great way to begin to, to start a relationship. And so the next time we invite to our house, this 50, out of that 50, there's going to be many people who are interested because they had a good time at our house. And so it just begins to build this process. And then it's easier also to invite personal. So out of this 50, they've already been here in the group setting, but now 
you know, Adil, you want to come over and play some board games with the family, and we're going to have some, you know, taco night. And so Adil's like, sure, I'd love to come over. And it's, this has kind of broken some tension in a group setting, and now it allows for the personal invitation to be much more convenient for them, much easier. And that's how we, we kind of work this process. And so with, you know, group invitations, like holidays, Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas baking, you can kind of see this here, like this is group invitation. Here's a big time board game night. Um, so that's all just getting them into our home, building shared experience through this. And at this number, it becomes much more relational. This number, you get shared experience, but this number, that's where it begins to matter. And so even though the University of Illinois is one of the top, you know, we have 15 to 16,000 international students, you do not have to be looking for those numbers to ever start this ministry. Because what we found is that really where the ministry, the heart of it takes place is with one. I mean, that is really where the exchange of Jesus happens is not with the, the 50, the 100, the 1,000. It's the one, at least for the way we do ministry, it always comes down to that exchange with the one. And so personal invitation is really important. And you know, here's Doyen at our house. Um, and just enjoying his time and that relationship is what begins to foster the Penn family starts to become my family here and you know we think of international students of just wanting to be around their college peers but a lot of them they're so surrounded by the college peers they're looking to connect in with family they're looking for that experience uh, we have got note after note after note when they're leaving and getting ready to graduate, just saying, our favorite place in America is your house, your home. And it's had the most significance. They, they, the word they often use is cozy. Tyler, your house is so cozy. It just means it's warm, it's embracing, it's a good place. And that's what we're trying to build. And uh, because what happens is we connect on campus but this is all to build relationship. And is what we're trying to, to end up doing is to build relationship to create pathways of faith. And so this is our third process here. Create pathway is a very image-based concept. So if you have two highways up here, so we'll have a highway going this way. I have no idea what direction this is, but you got it. And this is a highway where are people who are not following Jesus. They're on this highway, right? Now you got this highway heading this way. And this highway is people who are following the Lord. So what our family is trying to do, if you can just think of it this way, is like you think of an exit ramp that goes from this highway of people who aren't following Jesus to this highway to people who are following Jesus. And what our family is trying to do is to be those pathways, those exit ramps. Because if you do not know about Christ on this highway, how can you get to that highway? Unless somebody comes up to you and explains to you who Jesus is. A little Philip story for you, right? And so that's what we're trying to do is just come alongside and explain the Christian faith, explain Jesus, this exchange of knowledge of Jesus, because they will not get off this highway until they have that knowledge. They cannot get on this highway. And in order for that, they need someone to come alongside to explain it, 
to them. And so here is some, some, some lessons we've learned. This kind of becomes the heart of the ministry. So everything we're doing is to get to this point. Like all the English conversation groups on campus, all the trips to our house, Super Bowl party, corn maze, you know, we've done it all, bungee jumping, fishing, whatever. We, we do it all to get to here. And, and so it's, a, it's all this you know, work and play and fun stuff, relationship building in order to, to get to here at Runway. So here's some things to know about this exchange of the knowledge of Jesus with international students. Personal versus corporate. So let's get into this. In America, at least in my perception of my kind of church background, what has happened, and even when I was pastoring for 10 years, the exchange of knowledge of Jesus went like this. And this may be different for what you understand, but this is how I understood it. It was corporate. So the church corporately would be having a fish fry. And so then you would invite your neighbor, family member, coworker who didn't go to church to come where? To the fish fry. And then at the fish fry, you would then announce, hey, we're having a special service this Sunday. Would you join us this Sunday for whatever special service it is? And so then out of those who came to the fish fry, some of those might come to your special Sunday service. And then corporately, there's an exchange of the knowledge of Jesus, lecture-based from a pastor who's now preaching a gospel-centered message to the corporate group, the congregation, within a time to respond at the end, or if you would like to talk to me, you can you know, contact me. And that is the exchange of the knowledge of Jesus. Does that make sense to people on the corporate level? Like that's what we've seen, that's what I was a part of a lot. In international student ministry, corporate is not the, the goal because it, it does not serve the purpose as much as personal conversation of faith does. Because they do not understand what is happening in the corporate setting. Time and time again, international students, we go to church and then they come back, I have no idea what he was talking about, Tyler. Because there isn't that layered base of knowledge. It's great and do not misunderstand me. I'm not dogging corporate church. I'm just saying for the, the purposes of exchanging the knowledge of Jesus, don't have that as your end goal. If I can just get them to church, then that is the success of what's going to happen. And it is not because they will not understand what's... So like the first time I ever took a student to church, Gavin, he's from you know, Beijing. So we go to this church service and during the worship, somewhere the question of baptism had been raised. He heard that and he began to ask me about baptism. And again, the model of international students is the Philip model. When Philip heard that scripture of Isaiah read, what did Philip do with that scripture? He began there and did what? Yeah, he walked beside him, began to share the good news of Jesus beginning with those scriptures. So as soon as Gavin asked me about baptism, guess where I'm taking that conversation? Yeah, we're beginning there, and we're going right to the good news of Jesus, about what baptism is. Well, there's a guy standing in front of us, a young guy, and he's getting his praise on. 
And I'm trying, and Gavin's asking me questions about baptism, so I'm like, Woo, this is good. This is the exchange of... And this guy turns around and he goes, do you mind? I'm trying to worship here. You know, so much within me was like, do you mind? I'm trying to tell this guy about Jesus. Yeah. And I didn't, I understood, like he didn't know the situation here, so... But when Gavin got in our car after that service, he said, Tyler, I'd much rather meet with you than to go there. He wasn't dissing church. He was saying, I get so much more understanding talking with you where I have questions answered versus a lecture based. I hear it. I don't really understand quite. I have all these questions, but then it's just dismissal. and We walk out now. I don't get to have. And so personal conversations of faith is so important in this ministry with international students that's why it's so relational that's why we are so you know constructed to build relationships because that's where the ministry takes place we are not constructed for mass group to have mass corporate you know teaching because my students would understand they have all these questions and questions are really the the lifeblood of this ministry you want to have questions when you're meeting with international students and so two things here do not be afraid of hard questions and do not be offended by questions you know questions are where the the gospel gets to be really exchanged and so questions like you know trying to talk about why there's a need for Jesus in the first place. It all comes back to creation in the, you know, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And then you have this question. Well, why did God plant the tree? I've had that asked to me so many times. And ultimately what that is, is the question of why is there evil? Like, not a simple question. Like, every worldview, and that's one of the hardest questions of any worldview and faith system is the source of evil. And yet, you know, that's one of their first questions. And so you just try to, to walk along that. I mean, it's just questions. Like, I've been with this lady in Bible study for a couple years. We were just this, you know, two months ago doing interpretation of John, studying John. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was God. And she goes, Tyler, Jesus is God? I was like, Arena, I thought we were already there. <laughs> thought we had this. She asked, how can that be? <laughs> we see one plus one plus one equals one. Now, thankfully, she's a physicist. So she, and this is what she said, Tyler, I can get there. Like, I deal with all this, you know, quantum theory, relativity, all this kind of physics stuff, and I get... When I teach it to my students, they don't have the knowledge to understand, but there's truth there that we have evidence of, but it sounds crazy. Because I can, I can see what you're saying. And so I love talking to my physicists about these crazy concepts of the scripture because they're like, that kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's go. And it's just question after question. You know, there's this one lady, you wait. She asked some very abrasive questions like, 
Tyler, if your children didn't grow up to believe what you believe, how would that make you feel? I said, I would be devastated. And it shocked her at Florida. Like, you would really be, like, and I explained why. Like, because my faith system is, like, if they don't believe in Jesus, then that is an eternal, you know, destination that is not good for them, for what I'm hoping. And it just, you know, kind of shocked her. Well, a couple months later, we're having Easter on campus. On the way to Easter, she asked this question. Tyler, to be a Christian, do you have to read the whole Bible? That's a great question. Now, for somebody who's been in church in a long time, that's a dumb question, right? Like, well, no, you don't have to read the whole. That's not how you become a Christian. But for her, she didn't have a clue because nobody's ever come alongside to explain the scriptures. And so beginning with that question, we then are heading where? To the good news of Jesus. And that's a good way to start Easter is with that, you know, that question. And so do not be afraid and do not be offended um, you know, we had over COVID we did an Easter had two students with us and they said this Tyler why does the death of Jesus matter if he just rose in three days that's a great question like what's the big deal he just came back to life three days later that doesn't seem like the death is too big of a deal but when you don't know about the death being the covering of the like it's the big deal but they don't so the questions fuel this so don't be offended like oh, how can you say the death of like it's, it's no big deal or i have muslims friends who talk like tyler i'm basically as much as a christian as you are i believe the same things about jesus as you do like oh, how can you say like well let's get into this and so they start like yeah the first 10 things you're right on but jesus is god no nope, we don't believe yeah that's kind of a big one there and jesus that he never died. No, we believe he died. That that was actually him on the cross and that he came back three days later. And so it's like, yeah, there are some differences here. And again, with those questions, we begin there and where are we heading? To the good news about Jesus. So you want questions. Questions are the fuel of the process. And don't, don't think you have to have all the answers to these hard questions that are satisfying, that are sufficient to them. You know, teaching Jericho, get the question, did God not care about the people in Jericho? That's a hard question. Like, the walls came down on them, they were wiped out. And children, kids, did God not care about those people, Tyler? I'm going to give you an answer, but it's not going to be satisfying to the question you're asking. And, and it's okay to say, I don't really know. Like, I say that, what is the relationship between God and Jesus? I just got this Wednesday. Tyler, was it, did God do any of the miracles or was it only Jesus doing the miracles? I'm going to do my best to answer this, but it is not going to be satisfying to the question you're asking. You know, because now we're back into this whole trying to understand the Trinity. And, but with that question, where are we heading? To the good news of Jesus. So we go to the cross. Well, it's all for the cross trying to explain, you know, that God is trying to show that he loves us through this kind of construct that we would understand, the relationship between a father and a child, a father and a son. You know, when we begin this whole process of 
you know, exchanging the knowledge of Jesus. Use John 3.16 a lot, and it's for God so loved the world. And what is one of the best ways to show somebody that you love them? Yeah, sacrifice yourself for them. And that is the story of Christ, that he gave himself up for us. That's how we know what love is. But what's the, even a stronger image of love? What, Reed? Yeah, to lay down your life. And the next level of love is to lay down my kid's life for you. Like, I'll give my life for you, but I am not giving up my... Well, it depends on what day you ask. <laughs> but that is, that is such a declaration of love. And it's almost like a, a dual declaration of love, that I'm giving my life for you, that I'm giving my, my son for you. And it's just trying to layer the, these teachings here. So, simplicity is necessary because they don't come with the knowledge that you were raised with. There isn't all this understanding of the scripture. For so much of my students, I mean, there really isn't any knowledge of grace. It's just not there. So if you're already assuming grace in everything that you're talking, that is just not there. So I have a little something for you to work through. I want you to take this sentence and make it as simple as you possibly can. All right, just kind of the idea of breaking down something that is very Christianese and making it simple. So here's the statement. Due to the incarnation, you can have justification through the process of imputation, resulting in a life of sanctification, beginning with reconciliation and ending in glorification. <laughs> and this is what the exchange of the knowledge of Jesus sounds like to my students sitting in a church service. And the question is, Tyler, what the world does that mean? So let's just take the first one. Incarnation, how would you make that simpler? When you, when you hear the word incarnation, what's the first thing that pops in your mind? Yeah, Jesus came, the birth, and we celebrate all that in this holiday called Christmas. So you start just getting into you know, the simplicity, trying to make Christmas. And just trying to, to make it simpler. That's why we celebrate this. And that we believe that Jesus is from heaven, came to earth. And then, you know, justification. It's a big word. It simply means you're innocent before God. And you're just trying to imputate. It's just a trade. All Jesus is doing is trading his goodness for your sin. And so you're trying to get everything as simple as possible. And the number one way that I use in this ministry for making Jesus as clear as possible is word pictures. You cannot beat word pictures for simplicity. Word pictures are the, the simple way to take an abstract concept, put it to something concrete, and then it, it makes sense. Uh, just this two weeks ago, with this lady from Russia, and she's been getting a lot of word pictures from me. And we were going over the woman at the well, and it says the salvation is from the Jews. Her question is, Tyler, what does that mean? So we get into that. And then she goes, Tyler, I have a word picture for you. I'm like, okay, I'm excited for this. Because how I understand this is like currency. Like there's a Jewish currency that Jesus comes through, and he comes through a bank, and then it gets divided into the currency of all the other nations, and so that they can then receive it 
and receive salvation through their currency that first came through this currency. No wonder you're a physicist. <laughs> and so, yeah, simplification, that's what we're, we're constantly trying to do. And finally, systematic teaching is the goal. Like, I love conversations of faith in a car ride to go fishing, you know, whether you're jumping off a bridge with rubber bands tied to your, your ankles, whatever it is, it's all these different events, a barbecue. Tyler, what were you doing at church camp? What's that about? You begin there, and where are you heading? To the good news of Jesus. Just like Philip, you just come alongside. But those conversations are great but really systematic teaching is the goal, trying to get them where they are continually getting to know more about these concepts of the faith because so many of them just simply do not have it. So we're trying to get them into a Bible study, trying to get them into these kind of discovery groups of what the Bible is trying to say. And so how to start an international student ministry. Well, here's a little life sermon lesson here for you and no I will not be making this thing go around sorry Bradley no videos of this <laughs> so I just use this to define space so we all carry a comfort bubble with us for some people to cross this line of comfort is easier than others. I'm just going to be very honest for you. For me, it takes a lot of courage to cross out of my comfort bubble. And what's this visualizing is fear. Because what fear does is fear sends out signals to say, don't get out of here. And with this whole information you've just received on, you've come here, maybe curious about how to start an international student ministry, and you've heard some information, but now when you leave here, this line has to be crossed. And it's, you can do some research, and it's good to have some understanding, but at some point in time, you're going to have to go to the IS and say, can I be a host family? At some point in time, you're going to have to call an international student fellowship, friendship leader, and email them out and set up a coffee and, and meet with somebody saying, I would love to be hands and feet. And for you, that might be simpler and easy to do that. I'm telling you, for me, that is courage. That takes crossing this line. And so here's just a little life lesson for you here on, on this ministry. Comfort will keep you living at a much lower level than you were ever intended to live for the glory of God. And so what will end up happening is that in this ministry, you're constantly having to leave comfort. So it's comfortable to have them over at our house and having s'mores. What is not so comfortable for me is now getting out of this comfort bubble to have a conversation about beliefs and faith. And I'm, you know, for some people, there's a natural gift that they can cross this and go right into that space. For me, it, it's a little nervous. It's a little, I've got to it's much easier just to stay talking about, so how do you like American food? What's your favorite American food? What do you not like about, what are you studying? And it's like, oh, we never really got to Jesus. And the reason we didn't get to Jesus is because I stay in my comfort. And if you just constantly stay in comfort, you will end up living 
much lower than God ever intended you to live for His glory. And fear will defeat you before you ever enter the battle. That's what this does. Like as soon as you try to leave comfort, fear will send its signals. Like you don't want to leave your bubble of comfort. And so like you'll think about this ministry and you think about, well, maybe I should contact. And all of a sudden fear will say, yeah, but they're going to be like, no, we don't need you. You know, you, you don't serve the purpose here. You're going to get rejected. And so what fear does is it's like, don't even call. Don't even have the conversation. Don't even get on campus. Don't even start the process. And that's what fear will do. It will defeat you before you ever enter the battle. And maybe I can leave you with this. I am with you is one of the greatest promises of the Scriptures. You have the Great Commission. And the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations ends with this. And behold and lo, how does it end? I am with you always. Like These are the four sweetest words that God has ever given us. That I am with you. And so you do serve this purpose to bring glory to God. This process of making disciples of all nations. The, you know, the, the power to do this is that Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. That's where it comes from. And the promise is, I am with you. And whatever you're doing for the glory of God, whenever comfort says stay here, just cross that line and remember those four words. I'm with you. Like, I got you on this. I have your back. It's really cool to go through the scriptures and just, if you want to do a, a study on that, when did God tell people to go? And then just see what he followed that up with. And so much of the time it's, and I'm with you on this. And it's such a, it's the same promise for all of us.